Amen. So Matthew chapter 28, we pick up in verse 16. And Matthew writes for us, uh, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, you know, I have a little confession I'd like to make uh, to you all this morning. Um, I would like to honestly say that, you know, I have it all planned out. <laughs> I have a friend that he has every Bible study he's going to teach for the next three months already in the can. It's already squared away. He knows where he's at. But I'd like you to think that, um, you know, I have it all planned out. You know, uh, you know, we had Ken Silva here last Sunday speaking on evangelism, followed by the workshop um, on sharing your faith. Just a great workshop if you were here. Um, I, I, I trust you enjoyed it. It was a blessing to you. If you weren't here, uh, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll do more of those things. But, you know, um, Ken last week on, on sharing your faith in the workshop, uh, last, last uh, Saturday, yesterday, uh, you know, how to witness to those who don't yet know Jesus Christ. And then to top it off, you know, our study this morning, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, um, Jesus gives to his disciples the Great Commission. You know, I'd like, to, I'd like to say, you know what, I had that much foresight in planning out my teaching, but uh, I don't. I, I, I don't. Uh, it, it's 100% all the Lord. And because of that, I'm actually very confident that this is what the Lord would speak to us as a church. I think the Lord would wants to encourage us to be out there sharing our faith, that, that we would do it with passion and that we would do it motivated by love, the love of Christ who desires all men everywhere to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and I recognize, and, and maybe you've seen it, maybe you've felt it, but I've, I recognize that sometimes when there's a teaching on the Great Commission, you know, when there's a teaching on sharing your faith with others, Sometimes people feel, can feel a little bit condemned. You know, I, I know, Pastor, I, I should be out there. I, I, I know, Pastor, I'm failing in that area. You know, um, woe is me. I mean, I'm such a loser. But you know what? That's the enemy. That's the enemy who seeks to condemn us, to make us feel like we're not doing enough. But on the other hand, you know what? It's the Spirit of God that would encourage us in these things would encourage us and stir us up to run the race, to step out in faith, to literally obey the last command that Jesus gives to his disciples. And we need to understand very clearly, the Great Commission is a command. It's not a suggestion. So uh, this morning, let's dig into this portion of Scripture and see what the Lord has for us. Um, Matthew 28, 16, Matthew writes, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had appointed for them. Now, we need to remember, Jesus has already met with the disciples earlier. The first time was the same day uh, as he was resurrected. You'll remember John chapter 20, verse 19, says the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were closed, were shut, uh, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace be with you. And, you know, we're told there that Thomas wasn't present at that time. And you know the story, you know, Thomas uh, was told that, you know, hey, we saw Jesus, right? Jesus appeared to us. And of course, Thomas said, unless I see, you know, in his hands, the prints of the nails, unless I put my finger into the prints of the nails and put my my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then a week later, 
you know, Jesus appears to them again and, and Thomas was present that time. And now after those two events, right, now the 11 go up to Galilee as they were commanded by Jesus. And verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, we know that the 11 apostles, they were there with Jesus. They were worshiping him. They were rejoicing and seeing him again. But we're also told that some of those who were present uh, there that day doubted. And I don't, I, I don't really think that Matthew is referring to the apostles here. Okay? Uh, I don't believe that uh, because, as I said, this is not the first time they've seen Jesus. They've seen Jesus a few times now. And I, I think there's, uh, there's actually more people present than just the 11. I think that there's this much larger group of people that are with them, right? I think that this is the group of more than 500 brethren that Paul says saw Jesus after his resurrection. And Paul, Paul tells us about it, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6, says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and he was seen by Cephas. So he, he appeared to Peter. Then by the twelve, meaning Peter and the rest of the apostles. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So in my mind, I think that this is probably that group, that encounter that Paul, uh, sorry, that Matthew is referring to here. So maybe you can imagine in your mind, here are, are the apostles of Jesus. They're 100% totally convinced that Jesus has risen from the grave, but because they've seen him a few times already. But now there's all these others who haven't yet seen Jesus alive after his death, burial, and resurrection, and they were the ones that doubted it. But you know, the beauty is, the beautiful thing is, as Jesus appears to them, they then become witnesses of his resurrection. Now, Matthew, and, and uh, for those of us who have been studying through the, the gospel of Matthew. Maybe you never thought we would get to the end. I don't know. But Matthew, he closes out his gospel with Jesus giving his disciples. And he gives it to all of us, right? You know, um, he, he gives them this command that's known as the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, this Great Commission is given to the followers of Jesus sometime after Jesus' resurrection, and before his ascension, 40 days later. And Jesus basically tell, tells his followers, and, and again, we need to have it clear in our mind because we also are his followers, right? We need to have it in clear in our minds that Jesus is speaking to us as well. But Jesus basically tells uh, his followers that we have some work to do. We're not to just sit around uh, and wait for him to return. Now, we get into the Great Commission. This is the Great Commission that he gave to his followers, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. So I want to start out this morning by saying, this is what we're called to do. This is a call on our lives as believers. You know, there's an individual call on your life uh, that God wants to use you to do, but this is the call for all believers. Okay? Paul encourages us in Ephesians to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. He says in another place that we're to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. Paul says in another place, we're to walk worthy of God, 
who calls us into his own kingdom in glory. Paul says that we're to walk worthy of the calling, walk worthy of the Lord, to walk worthy of God who calls us. Paul speaking of the call that's on our life, he tells us that it's a heavenly calling. I'm sorry, a holy calling. The writer to Hebrews, which I happen to think is Paul also, he says of the calling that's on our life, he says it's a heavenly calling. You know, the call to share the gospel is a call from above. It's a call of God on, on our lives, right? And as I said before, the great commission is given to each of us as Christ followers. We're to be actively sharing our faith. We're not to wait for the world to come to Jesus, right? Because they're not going to, right? Paul said there's, there's none who seek after God, right? We're not to wait for the world to come to Jesus. We're to go and share Jesus with those in the world. Jesus intends for us as believers to be actively carrying the gospel to all who've not yet um, received it. You know, the Great Commission, it's a call from above where our Lord, our Master, our Savior has called us to share the good news of the gospel with the lost. Did you know, in regards to sharing our faith with those who are not yet Christians, there are actually three calls recorded in the Bible? Did you know that? Right? Well, there's the call from above, which I, I just got done saying is the Great Commission. But did you know that there was a call from below? You know, keep your finger here in uh, Matthew and flip over real quick to Luke chapter 16. And you'll remember as you do that, uh, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, right? Remember the rich man and Lazarus, they both died, right? The rich man went to Hades where he was tormented, and remember that, that uh, uh, Jesus said that the rich man saw afar off Abraham and Lazarus. And the rich man begged Abraham to let Lazarus come and dip his finger in the water and to put it on his tongue to cool his tongue since he was being tormented in the flames. You know, some translations translate that, that term tormented as uh, in anguish right? In agony, suffering in the flames, right? And remember, Abraham at that point basically explained to the rich man that he was receiving the just rewards of his life. And then very interestingly, the rich man says, Luke chapter 16, verse 27 and 28, look at it. He says, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, speaking of Lazarus, to my father's house for, now that's an important word because that's a reason word. It can also be translated because. You know, uh, send him to my father's house for I have five brothers that he may testify to them lest they come to this place of torment. You know what? The call from below is from poor souls who are suffering in the flames of hell, Right? They're pleading that somebody would go, right? Uh, that somebody would be sent to their loved ones, to their mothers, to their fathers, to their brothers and sisters, to their children, so that they would not end up in the same place of torment when they step into eternity. You know, there are people who have died outside of Christ who are right now in hell. And they're wishing, hoping, and praying that someone, that we would go and tell their loved ones, that we would go to their families and friends and share with them the message of the cross. Why? Because they now know that it's the only hope of salvation. Well, not only is there a call from above, and a call from below. But we also see in the Bible a call from afar. Again, keep your finger in Matthew. We're going to get back to it. But now turn to Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, what you see is 
Paul's on his first missionary journey, and he wanted to go to, to Asia. You remember, uh, he wanted to go to Asia, but he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Then he wanted to go to uh, Mysia and Bithynia, but again, the Holy Spirit did not permit that, right? Uh, so uh, he goes down to Troas, and there Paul had a vision. And you see in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, we read, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So in the vision, in this vision, the Macedonian man pleaded with Paul. Now, the Greek word translated uh, there, pleaded, can also be translated that the Macedonian man was begging him, was appealing to him, was urging him, that he was calling upon him, saying, please, please come, please. And we read in Acts 16, verse 10, we read, now after he, speaking of Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they went and they preached the gospel. And the word of God spread from there across all of Europe. These are the three calls that are still being sent out. The call from above, you know, which is our marching orders as Christian you know, as followers of Christ, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, I, I think, you know, as I say that, I think we need to understand uh, something that's very important. We're not all called to, to go across the sea and go to some far-off uh, country, but we are all called, at the very least, to cross the street and go and share Christ with those who are near. So we have the call from above. Secondly, we have the call from below from those who are being tormented. They're earnestly desiring that someone would be sent to carry the gospel to their loved ones so that they would not wind up in hell. And then we also have the call from afar from those who have never heard of salvation in the name of Jesus, who desperately desire to hear. They're begging us. They're pleading with us, saying, come. Come over here and help us. You know, I, I think about these kinds of things. And, and I think uh, that, you know, the theology of the Old Testament was very much come and see. Right? The Jews built the temple and people were welcome to come and see. They were invited to come and see. Right? To come and see the temple which was built for the glory of the Lord. Solomon even prays, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, that God would answer the prayers of those who are not Jews, right, but came to the temple to seek the Lord. That God would answer them favorably so that they would know that he alone is God. You know, uh, but the very clear, the very clear theology of the New Testament is not come and see, it's go and tell. Right? We're to go into all the world and share with those who have never heard the good news. God's heart is to see the world saved. And he's entrusted to us this glorious ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusted us with sharing Christ's love, sharing the gospel with those who are lost. I mean, what an amazing gift he's given us entrusting these things to us. I mean, he, he wants us to go and seek out those who are last. He wants us to go and seek out those who are the least. He wants us to go and seek out those who are lost. You know, and let them know that there's no, there's only one way to the Father. And there's no other name. There's only one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. All right, well, let's flip back. Let's get back to our text. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, something Ken Silva said last week, it's just 
stuck in my mind ever since. I, I can't get it out. Of, I've just been thinking about it, mulling it over. He said something, and, and I just believe it's a common occurrence in the church today. He said something like, uh, I can't quote him verbatim, but it was something like many people in the church today, they don't share the gospel because they feel like uh, they have to make the gospel powerful. And after thinking about it this week, I think that's true. I think that's a big reason why people don't share the gospel. You know, I think that people have this subconscious idea, you know, that we have to make the gospel attractive. We have to make it appealing. We have to make it exciting. You know, I, I think you see it in churches today. They feel like they have to create an environment that's emotionally stirring, you know, almost concert-like, you know, a big production, you know, uh, fog machines, lights, strobing lights, big screens. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves, you know, I guess. But I think sometimes people think that if it's not entertaining, no one's going to listen. And I think that as a result of these false notions, we can feel like we have to make the, the uh, gospel powerful. As if it's up to us to make it appealing or else it won't be effective. But that's not our job, right? We don't have the responsibility of empowering the gospel because God's already done that, right? We just have to give it out. Paul said in Romans 1.16, you know the verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It is powerful. The gospel is powerful in and of itself. It's the power of God unto salvation. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 1.18, and again, another verse I'm sure you're familiar with, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And when Jesus says here in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, what he is saying is he rules over all, right? It doesn't matter how hearted, how hard-hearted, you know, uh, that person looks on the outside. It doesn't matter how many tattoos or how many piercings they may or may not have. It doesn't matter what lifestyle they're openly espousing. None of that matters, right? God is working right now in every single person in this world to bring them to Christ just as he did with each of us who are believers today, right? God alone is the one who gives power to the gospel even if we never see it. You know, it's like the song that we sing. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. He never stops. He never stops working. You know, my question is, who made the gospel attractive to you? It was the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, you know, revealing to each one of us, you know, our sin and our need for a savior. You know, we can talk ourselves out of sharing with people saying things like, you know, there's, there's no way they'll, they'll never receive it, right? There's no way, you know, I mean, they don't want to hear it. I had an experience that I often tell people, uh, yeah, I wish I had other stories other than mine. I wish I had your stories to share. But until then, I can only share my stories. But, uh, you know, I share this when it comes to the power of the gospel and how we can underestimate it. You know, we were doing an outreach in our city. Our church was doing an outreach in our city. And, and the outreach was uh, located in a, in a pretty rough area of our city, a pretty dark part of our city. Um, and, you know, we had a barbecue out there. We were feeding everybody. We had a band playing worship songs. We were preaching the gospel. And again, it was in this area where there was a lot of homeless people, a lot of people strung out on drugs. There's a lot of drug abuse and alcohol abuse in this area. You know, it was an area that was filled with a lot of hard, hard looking people. 
And back then, I was part of the college ministry in our church. And, and you know what? Um, there's just a, a bunch of people. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people there. And um, I saw one of our college girls sharing Christ with this one guy. You know, her name was Michelle. You know, she is short, you know, real cute, real petite young girl, you know. And uh, the guy she was sharing with was this big, foul-mouthed guy. You know, he caught my eye uh, earlier in the day just because of how loud he was and how foul-mouthed he was. And when I saw Michelle sharing with this guy, you know, I thought to myself, man, I need to get over there to protect her because this guy is probably going to not like what he's hearing. And and I thought to myself, he's probably going to hit her. And you know, so I need to get over there to be a deterrent and uh, to protect her. And as I made my way over there, as she was sharing Christ with this guy, you know what? I'm thinking in my heart, come on, Michelle, man, wrap it up. He doesn't want to hear any of it. I mean, you're just wasting your time. There's no possible way this guy is going to listen, right? Let's just get out of here. I didn't say it out loud, but that was in my heart. And, you know, after about 15, 20 minutes, Michelle, you know, she's, she's sharing with this guy, giving the gospel to this guy after about 15, 20 minutes. She finishes up, and I thought to myself, good, finally, let's go. You know, then one of my friends got up and started preaching a few minutes later. And when he started giving an invitation, I heard God speak to my heart. And he says very clearly, he said, Gary, go get him. I said to Lord, what? I'm not going to go get him. And the Lord uh, said again, Gary, go get him. And you know, I walk, um, because I'm so full of faith, you know, I said to God Almighty, quit kidding around, God. I'm not going to go get him. And the Lord said again, go get him. So I walked over to him and I stood right in front of him and and I looked right at him and I turned to the guy next to him (laughs) and I I said, hey, my friend's given an invitation. And this guy says, an invitation to what? And I dropped my head and I just like, shoot. And I turned to him and I said, an invitation to receive Jesus as your savior and be forgiven of your sins. Would you like to go down and receive Christ? And I'll never forget, this guy, he, he, he turns his head and he looks up into the air like he's thinking it through. And maybe, you know, 30 seconds passed by. It, it seemed like a long time. And I said to him, you know, if you want to go down, I'll go down with you. You know, do you want to go? And he says, yeah, I want to go. And so, you know, we walked down there to receive Christ. And as we walked down there, this guy just begins to break. I mean, he was shattered. He began to cry. And I mean, he, he was crying convulsively. Man, he was just sobbing. He was completely broken. And you know what? He cried for a solid hour and a half, honestly. It was a full 90 minutes. And he began to tell me how he got caught up with the wrong people. And he left home and hadn't seen his parents in a long time. And you know, I had the privilege. I, I got the, the opportunity to comfort him and, and pray with him and give him a Bible. And I gave him my number and I invited him to Bible study. And then, you know, I met with him one time after that, and then he disappeared. And, and then, you know, just out of the blue, about a year later, I, I saw him again. And he told me how he was charging for Jesus and how he went home and he reconciled with his folks. And, and you know what? I thought, I saw that guy, and I thought in my heart, there's no way. You know what? This guy will never listen. But God had other plans, right? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is attractive. It is exciting. And all we have to do is just sow it and trust God to do the rest. 
And if we'll do that, God will bring an increase. You know, we need to understand that we're not sharing the gospel all alone. You know, we're not doing it just on our own, right? We're to deliver the gospel, the good news, that there's forgiveness for sins in Christ Jesus, but it's God who makes it powerful, and it's the Holy Spirit who works it into the hearts of men. It has nothing to do with us, other than we're called uh, to be the vessels. We're called to be the ones who share it with others. And I believe that God wants us, when we're sharing, to have confidence in Him, to have faith in Him, that He'll make our efforts fruitful, that He'll bring the power. And believe me, the gospel is powerful. Last week, I was at the West Coast Pastors Conference. And I don't know if you guys know, if you guys, do you guys know of uh, Ryan Reese, the, the whosoevers? Well, Ryan, he's at the, uh, he did a session at the Pastors Conference. West Calvary Chapel Association, West Coast Pastors Conference 2022. You know what Ryan Reese does? He gives an altar call. Can you believe it? He gives an altar call at the pastor's conference. And you know what happened? People came forward. Man, you know what? If we will sow the seed, God will bring about fruit to his glory. I mean, I was blown away. Now, back to Matthew 28. Here's the commission, verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Wherever you find yourself in this world, as a believer, we're called to do two things, right? First, we're called to make the disciples. Called to make disciples. You know, the word disciple, it literally means a learner, a pupil, a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is, a learner, a disciplined one. It's more than just being a convert. Sharing our faith is important, but when people come to Christ, we need to be ready to pour into them, to disciple them, um, so that they can grow to maturity and ultimately be able to disciple others. As a church, you know what? We want to make disciples. We want to be disciplers. So those we disciple can, in turn lead other people to Christ, and then go about discipling them. You know, I think what people miss here too uh, in this passage when Jesus says, make disciples of all the nations, you know, we, we miss that at this very time he's saying these words, he's talking to a totally Jewish audience, Right? In the minds of the disciples, I imagine the minds of the disciples, they just exploded when these words hit their ear. The idea that God was interested in a group of people other than the Jews. God is willing to save people and bring other people into his kingdom from all nations. You know, they must have been speechless at this time. I mean, that was a totally foreign idea to them. It never crossed their minds that God wanted others after having them. And the same is true today. You know, it's a demonstration of God's love for all mankind. Salvation is not for the Jew alone. It's offered to the world. And that's the focus of the Great Commission. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples so they, in turn, can go into all the world and make disciples. How do we do it? Well, the first step in fulfilling the Great Commission is just going. You know, what is lost in our English translation, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The Greek word translated there, uh, go, is not a command. It's a present participle, right? The idea is as you are going, make disciples of all nations. It's, It's speaking of a, a lifestyle of evangelism. As we go, wherever we go, we're to be looking for, looking for and seizing opportunities to share Christ with others. Someone actually said to me this last week, 
Gary, it's not that simple. <laughs> but it's not as hard as you might think. You know, that's the, the crazy thing about it. It's not as hard as we think, right? You just ask people, hey, can I share something with you that's important in my life? And, and, and this is the way I go about it. I, I ask them the question and I just tell them my testimony, right? Who you used to be before you met Jesus Christ, how you met Jesus Christ, what, what, how'd that occur, and who you are now after you've met Jesus Christ, right? No one can argue with your testimony. No one can argue with it. And then you can talk to them. This is the way I go about it again. I, 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 I take them through what's called the Romans Road, you know? And I let them read the verses in the Bible. R.A. Torrey said in a book one time, you know, you let them read the verses in the Bible so it is burnt into their heart. So I let them read the verses in the Bible and I briefly explain those verses after they've read it, you know, making sure that they understand it. And the Romans Road is, and if you don't know it, you might want to write it down. It's probably uh, the most effective witnessing tool, I think, because it's the Word of God. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 5.8, God demonstrated His love while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And then what I do is I take them to Romans 8 and show them the benefits of giving their life to Christ. Romans 8.1, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. That's speaking about our past. Romans 8.28, all things are working together for our good. That speaks about our present. And Romans 8.32, you know, God who didn't spare his own son, how will he not with him, give us freely all things. That's speaking about our future. And then I share with them how they can receive Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You know what? If you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you'll believe with your heart that he was raised from the dead, uh, you'll be saved because, um, you know, that belief is unto righteousness and that confession is made unto salvation. Then I give them the assurance of God that if they'll ask Christ into their heart, God will come into their life and they'll be saved. Romans 10, 11 and verse 13 says, whoever, whoever, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter who you are, whoever will call on the name will not be put to shame. Whoever will call on the name shall be saved. Verse 13, Romans 10. And then I explain to them what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. You know, what walking with the Lord uh, looks like. It's not religion. I love it when people say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not into religion. I say, yeah, neither was Jesus. That's what you got in common with them. Jesus didn't like religion. It's not a list of do's and don'ts walking with Jesus. It's a living, loving relationship with him. Right then I asked them if they like to pray and have their sins forgiven and receive eternal life. And afterwards, I invite them to church. I mean, it's actually just that simple, right? And, and if, you, if, if you ask them, hey, can I share with you something important in my life? And they say, yeah, no, I don't want to hear, hear about it. You say, okay, and you walk away. You know what? Great. You may have your own method or, or own approach to sharing the gospel, you know, uh, we had Ken Silva here, you know, and he poured out just, just a really uh, easy method, easy approach to sharing the gospel. You know, uh, I know a lot of other people that use Ray's com Ray Comfort's approach. Whatever approach works for you, the thing is, is we need to get out there and do it. We need to use it, right? Whatever approach you use, great. It doesn't matter as long as you're prayed up. And you're out there sharing your faith. And the more we do it, the better we get at it. And the more comfortable we are as, as we approach people. You know, if we'll just step out in faith and share Christ with others, God will bless it. Right? We can't wait for the world to come to us because that rarely, if ever, happens. You know, I've yet to hear someone say to me, Sir, what must I do to be saved? I'm looking forward to that experience, but it hasn't happened yet. We need to go into the world 
Well, the second thing that Jesus says we're called to do in making disciples is to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And really quickly, I just want to point out something to you. Notice that we're to baptize them, baptize the new disciple in the name, singular, of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that reminds us that all the members of the Godhead are uh, involved in the work of salvation. The Father sent His Son to give His life a ransom to pay the penalty our sins deserved, right? In turn, the Son then sends the Spirit to point the way to Jesus, to fill us, to guide us, to give us the power to live this life in Christ for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there are three reasons, three sub-point reasons to point number two, why, you know, baptizing people. There are three reasons why, uh, to, three reasons to be water baptized, right? We're to be water baptized in obedience to the command that Jesus lays out here and in other places. And I think there's some confusion at times within the church. We're to be baptized as believers out of obedience. Baptizing, baptism is not necessary for salvation, right? Jesus didn't tell the thief on the cross when, the, when he said to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, Jesus didn't say, gee, you know, I mean, it's too bad that we can't get down from the cross right now and baptize you. I mean, I guess you're just out of luck. You know, no, salvation is a free gift of God. It's made available to us by grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not obtained by any works, lest any of us should boast. Salvation is not offered to us through faith in Jesus and being baptized or attending a certain church or going through certain ceremonies or anything else. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So again, we're baptized not unto salvation, but out of obedience. The second reason we're to be water baptized is in order to profess Jesus Christ publicly. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Baptism is a public declaration to all creation, to, to the, the he, uh, heavenly realm and the earthly realm, to all creation that I have now chosen to follow Jesus Christ. I'm his. The third reason to be water baptized is in order to identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, right? It's an outward demonstration of what's occurred inwardly in my heart. My old life has been crucified with Christ, and it's dead. It's been buried in the waters of baptism, and I've been raised again from the dead, a new creation in Christ by virtue of my faith in Christ Jesus, raised a new creation in order to live this life in the resurrection power of God Almighty. Now, the third thing in fulfilling the Great Commission, the third thing that Jesus says we're called to do in making disciples is teaching them. What are we to teach them? Well, Jesus says that we're to teach them, verse 20, to observe all things that I've commanded you. It's not only through the teaching that we do here in church like we're doing this morning, but it's discipling them. We're to be part, taking part in discipling new believers, teaching them to observe all the things that God has taught us in the Word, discipling them in uh, observing and obeying all the commandments that Jesus taught, teaching them and discipling them and how those commands apply to our lives. You know, it's impossible to reach spiritual maturity apart from the Word of God. Now, I need to confess my sin. I need to receive Christ as my Savior. I need to be water baptized out of obedience to His command and then become a student of the Word. And, and there, there are things that God, uh, and these are the things that God calls us to do for people right? We're to share our faith, point, pointing people to Jesus, 
baptizing those we lead to Christ in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then engaging them in discipleship through the teaching of and obedience to the Word of God, right? It's the only path to spiritual maturity. By the way, physical maturity is when one is able to reproduce, right? The same is true spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is is defined by an ability to multiply oneself. So let me ask you, respectfully ask you, what may be a penetrating question this morning. Most of us here this morning have been Christians for, you know, a good many years. Are you multiplying yourself? You know, what I mean by that is, are you discipling someone? Are you well-versed in the Word of God? Are you able to open the Bible and to use it to explain to people the great doctrines of the Bible? The doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of redemption, the doctrine of uh, justification, the doctrine of sanctification. Are you able to explain uh, eschatology, you know, the end times, the very times that we're living in today, you know? Are you able to explain the key books of the Bible? Do you know what the key books of the Bible are? You know, if you can, praise the Lord, man. Keep going. Be about the Father's business. Keep growing. And if you're not quite yet there, you know, don't be condemned. Be encouraged. Let's just get busy, right? It's the very reason we have a men's study every Tuesday morning, right? It's the very reason... Uh, we're going to begin the women's study mid-October going through Alicia Childers' Another Gospel. And it's going to be an amazing study. It's a study to equip women in our fellowship to understand the, the dangers that progressive Christianity poses to the church today. It's the reason we have life groups um, going on. It's all in order to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And then finally... Jesus says there at the end of verse 20, he says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And Matthew, I mean, uh, I can just Matthew, uh, see Matthew in my mind writing that and the Spirit of God moving on him. And lo, I'm with you even, uh, always, even to the end of the age. And Matthew says, amen. That is such a glorious thought. And what Jesus is saying when he's communicating this idea to us, is that he is with us to the end. He's with us. It's his personal guarantee of success when we share the gospel. We can be confident in the fact that if we're willing to be obedient to God's great commission, if we're willing to step out in faith and share Christ with others, Jesus promises that he'll be with us and God's word will not return void. Sharing the gospel is not a burden. It's a privilege, right? And with privilege comes responsibility. And we should, not, and we should, we should endeavor to join our Lord in his work. And we need to make no mistake about it. God is in the business of saving sinners. Man, it's such good news it, God's heart is for the lost. And I pray that our hearts would break over the lost. You know, those that are lost amongst our friends and families. You know, those that are lost in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, you know, in our town, in our country, and around the world, right? We're not all called to go to a foreign mission field, but we're all called to share the gospel as we go wherever we go. Paul saw sharing the gospel as more than a privilege, more than a responsibility. He saw it as an obligation. If you can turn over real quick to Romans chapter 1, turn over there real quick and look at it. If you can't, you can just listen. I'll read it. But Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, again, they're verses you're very familiar with, I'm sure. Paul says, I am a debtor. In other words, I owe it. I am in debt. It's an obligation. He says, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. 
So as much as is in me, I am ready. Or literally, I am eager. Are you eager to share the gospel? Paul says, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. You know what? Sharing Christ with others is not just for a certain group of people either. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for, you know, missionaries or evangelists. We're all called to share Christ. You know, I was talking last Thursday with a friend of mine who was preparing to go on an eight-week evangelistic tour, speaking all over the country and preaching uh, in high schools. And as we were talking about evangelistic uh, outreaches, I shared with him how, you know, sometimes when I am asked to speak to uh, youth groups or young adults groups, I'll often start off with a, a slideshow. You know, it's a slideshow of Tina and our kids, our grandsons, Gunter. A lot of pictures of Gunter. If you don't know who Gunter is, he's my dog. And there's pictures of Winnie in it. That's Tina's dog, you know, but there's more of Gunter. And I'll explain a little bit about each one. I'll, I'll tell him something about Tina. I'll tell him something about our boys, our daughter, my son-in-law, our grandsons, the pets, you know. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell him how much I love my family. How, how much I'd like them to meet my wife. How much I'd like them to meet my boys, you know. And then I'll ask them if they think I'm strange or weird for sharing my family with them, you know, wishing that they could meet them. And of course, the answer is no. What are you talking about? That's not weird at all. It's only natural. It's only natural because I love my wife. I love my kids. I love our pets, our dogs. Right? They're all important. They're all an important part of my life. The same is true in regards to Jesus. Right? He is the most important part of my life. In fact, He is my life. Right? I live because of Him. He's the supreme love of my life. And wanting others to meet him, telling others about him, isn't weird at all. It's natural. Right? In fact, if I didn't want to speak about him, if I didn't want people to meet him, if I never spoke about him, that would be considered weird. Each and every one of us have a great privilege. The question is, will we prayerfully seek to exercise that privilege? Each and every one of us has been given a great responsibility. The question is, will we seek to diligently and faithfully carry out that responsibility? Each and every one of us has been given a great obligation to others. We have an obligation. The question is, will we seek to boldly fulfill that obligation. Each and every one of us have been given a command to go into all the world. The question is, will we take steps of faith to see what God will do as we seek to obey the Great Commission? Now, I just want to close our study right now. Uh, we have a video. Ken uh, wanted to show it yesterday. We didn't get to see it of the fishermen, but I just thought it, it just fit, fit so well with the message now. So, Let's go ahead and, and do that video. <laughs> oh, hey. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, good to see you. How do you like my new boat? My new bass boat. I, I love it. Can I show you a few things on it? Come on, let me show you. This is my fishing rod. I, I like this one. And, and Oh, look at this one right here. This one has got a snakeskin looking handle because... I want to look good when I'm fishing. You know what I mean? So I, I can do it. I can fish with this one and look good. It's, it's good. I like it. And you know, when you're fishing, you got to have a lot of different bait and lures and lots of different colors. And, and uh, you got you to have a lot of different things. And then sometimes the fish just aren't interested at all. They're not interested in anything. And so you got to scare them a little bit. And so you get one of these lures right here and that, that'll scare them. And you might just spook them enough to get a bite. So if you want to scare your fish, then you can use something like that. Oh, this is one of my favorites right here. This, 
this is a special hook and lure right here. You don't want to use this when you're trying to go for any old bottom feeder. No, you want this one when you're going for a quality fish. If you know you got a quality fish, then you want to bring out something like this. I, I just keep it right in the package. It's special to me. So, yeah, you got to have a lot of different things in your tackle box. So you're a fisherman? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm a fisherman. I, 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 I come from a fishing family. Uh, my daddy was a fisherman. My granddaddy before him, he was a fisherman. Uh, all my friends are fishermen. Well, no, that's not exactly true. I, I, I did have some non-fishing friends, but we just don't spend that much time together. Oh, well, why don't you? Well, I love to fish. They don't. So, you know, we just don't have that much in common. So I hang out with my fishing buddies. Don't you like non-fishermen? Well, sure I do. It's not that. It's just that they don't fish. Why do you think it is they don't fish? Because they're stupid. What? Well, yeah. Yeah. They know all about fishing. They know how great it is. And they don't fish. Let them eat worms. They're stupid. Well, couldn't you just go teach them how to fish? Oh, no. No. I, I'm no expert. I, I couldn't teach anybody anything. <laughs> What am I going to do? Go door to door, knocking on doors, saying, hey, why don't you accept fishing into your life? Or you're really missing it? Or, or, you know, hey, why don't you come fishing with me? Or let's go down to fishing club this weekend? No, no, people just laugh at me. I don't want that. Well, I hear this is a great lake for fishing. Why don't you put your boat in the water? Well, you know, I, I like it right here. We, I come down here, got my donuts. I got my fishing buddies. We talk share all kinds of fishing stories. We'll shine up our boats, polish them up, get them clean. I love it. I like it right here. Well, how often do you actually go fishing? Well, it's hard to say. Once a week? No. Once a month? No. Once a year? You know, to be honest with you, I don't remember the last time I went fishing. But you like fishing? Well, sure. I love it. I love everything about it. But you see, that's just it. What if I go to talk to somebody and I tell them how much I love fishing and I'll go on and on and on. You know what that's going to do? That's going to turn them off. It'll turn them off to fishing. And, and, and I'll just come across as one of those wetter than now guys. I don't want that. Yet you call yourself a fisherman. Absolutely I do. But you don't fish. Well, fishing's not my gift. You see, but, but I do all kinds of other things. I, I, I'm the president of this here fishing club, and, and we've got a, a building project going right now. where We're going to build a big clubhouse where people can come down and talk about fishing. And, and I teach a casting class on Wednesday nights. I'm real busy. Truth is, I just don't have time to fish anymore. Well, why don't you go ahead and put your boat in the water? No, no, I like it right here. It's, it's dangerous out there. Things can happen to you out there on the water. I'm just more comfortable right here with my fishing buddies. Well, how about walking down to the shore and throwing out a line there? No, no, the, there's rocks down there. They're slippery. There's mud down there. What if I slipped and fell, got mud all over my outfit? People would laugh at me. I don't want that. But you say this is a great place to fish. Yeah. Say, did I show you all my tackle and all the different things I have? and? Oh my goodness, look at the time. I, I really do need to get going now. Well, can you just show us how to catch a fish? Just one fish. No. Okay, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, why not? You seem to have all that it takes. Look, I could go down there, throw my line in the water. Maybe the fish are hungry. Maybe they're not. We could be here all day and not catch anything. I could scare the fish. Another fisherman could come along later. He wouldn't catch anything. Besides, what if I did catch a fish? It doesn't just stop there, you know. You ever spent much time around fish? Let me tell you, they stink. They stink, they flop around. I could bring him into my boat, he'd flop around, get his smell all over everything. They're slimy. You gotta clean them. You gotta fillet them. <laughs> what am I gonna do? You want me to take him home, introduce him to my family? They don't like fish either. You're kidding, you don't like fish? Look, truth is, I can't stand fish. Is that a crime? Kind of funny. Kind of funny, but it's true, I think. You know, Chuck Smith used to say, 
maybe you've heard it. If you haven't, I hope it's not offensive. <laughs> but Chuck Smith used to say, Christians are like manure. And when they're all in one place, just piled up, they just stink. They don't do any good until they're spread out. You know, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know what? I don't want to be a fisherman like this. I want to be a fisherman that catches fish. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. So thankful for God, just um, the truth of your word. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would work it in us and stir us. Stir us that we would be fruitful. And Lord, we would be about the business, that we would join you in the business of leading people to Christ. Lord, we love you. We give you praise. We give you glory. And it's all for your glory. All for your glory, Jesus. We ask it in your name. Amen.